0: I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk.
1: Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I have people with real problems in there, and I have to do this now. And it always seems like everyone else's podcast conversations are more interesting than the ones I'm on.
0: Yeah, welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss season four, episode four, The Weatherman, which originally aired on January 25th, 2004. Uh, Right at the outset, we should let you guys know that we did promise a guest this week. Uh, We had him, we were about to start recording, and then we had an emergency come up uh, on my end, actually, which is the reason for my uh, uh, quote to start the episode. And so we had to cancel that recording and we asked our guest to come back in a couple of weeks when um, he, he wanted to be on a Funkhauser episode. And we will meet uh, Marty Funkhauser and also Saul Funkhauser uh, today. But um, Marty doesn't do too much. So we have a more Marty heavy episode. And uh, our guest will be coming back in a couple of weeks for that episode. Yeah. And we're excited for that. And we're excited to be here as well. Yeah. Let's jump in and uh, meet some Funkhausers.
1: Yeah. Time for the Funkhausers. <laughs> So we have Larry at the dentist and Delilah, the hygienist, is kind of leaning in with her bosoms in Larry's face as she's preparing him for the dentist to come in. She's taking the cotton out of his mouth and he kind of like licks his lips a little because I guess, you know, that sensation from taking something out of uh, out of your mouth. And she sees this as a seductive <laughs> advance on his part. And yeah. she responds in kind.
0: Yeah. And all season long. Remember, it's a running theme that Larry's looking for someone to uh, celebrate his 10th anniversary gift with.
1: Yeah. And uh, suddenly uh, everywhere he looks, there were women coming on to him. Yes. Um, so the doctor comes in. It's uh, Dr. Saul Funkhauser, played by Saul Rubinek. Yeah. And who learned... uh, is
0: very famous on another podcast on the Rewatchables for his overacting.
1: Is that I thought that was Joey Pence.
0: It's the Saul Rubinek. Well, I, I think they, they changed the name of it at some point. Oh, okay. It was I don't know if it's Saul Rubinick now or if it's Saul Rubinick before, but it was the Saul Rubinick Award they knew or whatever. Got um it. and he really does uh overplay, overact in a couple of scenes here. You know, when Got he sort it. of oh. aggressively grabs Larry.
1: Yeah, no, the Joey Pants is the like that guy, I think. Oh, it's a that guy. Okay. Um it could be maybe it's a Saul Rubinick, but I think they sometimes call it Ruffalo because of the in uh from the Yeah, oh, the yeah, Catholic I think Church it was movie. I think,
0: yeah, I think it was originally Saul Rubinick and then it became the Ruffalo. I don't know.
1: Yeah, they exactly. they go, they switch it anyway. Uh, yeah. Oh no, now they call it that. Uh, the player, that player. If is he is he still on the Heat? Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters. No, Dion Waiters. Oh, when separate. you come in and, and when <laughs> right. you have a,
0: yeah, when you have a very small role, but you do. They should
1: well. really just call the things what they are rather than assigning them to the people that I can't keep track of. Yeah. But I, I guess they know what they're doing. Yeah, it's a pretty good podcast. Um, so yeah, pretty so good. we learned that. Uh, I'm excited. They're talking about the game next week. It's like one of my favorite movies.
0: Ooh, I saw that movie as when it was in theaters with my parents and my grandmother. Which was a very weird com- – it's the only time that combo people ever went to movie together. What year did that come out? I'm going to guess like 95. Yeah, that sounds right. So I was like 12, probably a little too young to see that movie. And I saw it um, with my parents and my grandmother. And my grandmother, who was like in her 80s at the time, came out and she did not like the movie. She was very confused. It was very violent. She didn't really understand what was going on. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, well, why did we go see this movie together? Because this was very strange. It was very dark. And uh, I haven't seen yeah, it so- since then. So it's I a very creepy continue.
1: movie. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. of rewatching it for uh for the rewatchables just because mm. I think it'll make it more fun. And it's just yeah. like a really fun movie. Um really cr-
0: Yeah. Um ah, uh, When's your birthday? It takes out because, a lot of uh, twists and turns and lose I mean, fish out of water. So yeah.
1: Uh, my I birthday is say, uh I, I don't want to spoil the before your birthday. Spoil,
0: I don't want to spoil the movie. So
1: yeah. Okay. Well um yeah, our birthdays are a few days apart. Yes,
0: you're June 18th, right? June 15th. June fifteenth, okay, all right.
1: Um, OK, so uh, we learned that Larry has lost a crown in the past and that he threw up last time um, he had uh, gas because it turned out he was allergic to gas. Um, the doctor takes a picture of Larry's mouth. He says it's for insurance purposes. Yeah. Makes no um, sense. Yeah.
0: They need it for the plot. But there's no way. First of all, like they take official they don't like whip out a, a Kodak and, you know, take like like sort of an instant picture like that. Right.
1: You would go like to like the x-ray machine yeah. or something and they like don't need to would...
0: mail it to his house. And, yeah, the whole yeah, that the, the whole story really makes no sense.
1: Yeah, it's a little it's very strange. Yeah. Um, and um, he mentions, you know, thank you to Larry for RSVPing to my uncle Leo's um, upcoming testimonial. Larry doesn't even say Hello. And he mentions that guests are even coming in for Russia for this uh, incredible event. Um, I've never had this. Is actually, I think this is like a nice idea. I've never s- like been involved in any of these things because, like, I always say that it's like so sad, like when you go to someone's funeral and it's like, well, we should hear to hear all these nice things that people are saying about him um, or her. And this is like a nice practice, but I've never seen anyone do this in my own life.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of a testimonial outside this episode. Yeah, it basically seems to be sort of like a funeral before the person dies. It's, yeah, everybody, it's like pre, everybody comes it's like, together.
1: and it's like a pre-eulogy. Celebrates a person.
0: Almost like, like a roast, except not in a negative way.
1: Yeah, and the timing actually works out well because within a couple episodes, uh, Uncle Leo is going to be dead. Yes. So I'm glad that he got to hear these nice words. Yeah. Um, so the doctor asked Larry if he's ready for the, or the shot. Larry is a little worried that if he rolls up his sleeve, it's going to lose its elasticity and ruin the shirt. Yeah. Um, the doctor says, no, that's why it's called an, an elastic, because the cuff is in such a way that it won't happen because of the elastic. And they argue whether the shirt is better or worse than socks. And Larry insists that I'm not an expert on much, but I'm an <laughs> expert on elastic. Yeah, I will
0: say I've had a similar experience to Larry here when it comes to tefillin, phylacteries. So observant Jews. Uh, every morning, and some some of us, maybe not every morning, but uh, on occasion in the mornings, we put on these sort of black uh, boxes and leather straps, one on your arm and one on your head. And the one on your arm requires, you know, rolling up your sleeve. And it, I have had many sh- situations where I'm worried about the elasticity of my shirt getting ruined. And so, you know, I- I'll like sometimes I'll take the entire shirt off, uh, presuming I'm wearing something underneath it so that I because I don't want to, like, pull it up and then try and stretch it over. Like, I'm very sensitive to Larry's concern here. And the, and the fact that that, that that Dr. Funkhauser just grabs him is insane.
1: Yeah. So first first he suggests like, okay, fine. So why don't you take off your whole shirt? And then, you know, we can protect your shirt. But then uh, there's a call on the phone. The nurse says somebody really needs you, doctor. And he says, you know what? Forget it. Um, he, uh, he gives the Larry the shot. And as Larry predicted, the cuff is ruined. Um, yes. And this reminded me of a joke um, that my second grade teacher used to use. She mm. would say something like, Alex, do you know why I know you're never going to be a good doctor? hmm why? Because you have no patience. Ah, yes. Um, yeah, and much like, uh, yeah, Saul Rubin. He has no patience. Yes. Um, so Larry wants to know what's the deal with this guy. He asks the nurse what's going as well. He hasn't really been the same since his uncle was diagnosed with Hodgkins. Um, Larry's confused because he thought that he, it was the good Hodgkins, and she says, "I didn't know there was a hood good Hodgkins." He says, "Well, it's not a great Hodgkins, but let's say good." Yeah. Um. Now, as I'm sure you know, there great, is a no, great callback to Shlomo. Yeah, there That's is right. no real good Hodgkin's and bad Hodgkin's. There are two types of lymphoma, one of which is Hodgkin's lymphoma and one of which is non-Hodgkin's lymphoma.
0: Yeah, I do remember asking Jan about this the first time I saw this episode. But yeah, I don't remember which is which.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we head home and Larry's dad is staying with them. And Larry asks him if he could keep the seat down after he pees. (laughs) And Larry calls him whipped. And Larry explains, actually, it's not for Cheryl. It's for me, Um, which doesn't exactly make him seem more masculine to his father. Uh, He explains that I started doing it at night because I didn't want to put the light on. And I guess it, it kind of stuck. Um, And, you know, his dad is just not having it. This is not how a man pees. Um, You know, I'll say I don't pee sitting down, but like it's not the craziest idea because I've had that problem many times and it usually ends with my wife yelling at me in the morning that there's pee on the floor.
0: Do you ever pee sitting down?
1: Um, If I'm only peeing, no, I don't
0: I I do it on occasion, but not usually.
1: Yeah, but I, you know, I should probably just start doing it at night because it's really, you know, the the nighttime peeing where you don't want to turn the light could end badly.
0: yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, Larry quotes Winston Churchill, who said, why stand when you can sit? Yes. Um, so this real is actually a a quote. Oh, yeah, it it's actually it's actually oh. a real quote. Oh, OK. Yeah, I looked it up. So this is from a story that Paul Johnson, the famous historian related when he met Churchill when he was actually a young, he wasn't like a historian at the time. And he said, I met him and he gave me one of his giant matches he used for lighting cigars. I was emboldened by that into saying, Mr. Winston Churchill, sir, to what do you attribute your success in life? And he said, without hesitating. Economy of effort. Never stand up when you can sit down and never sit down when you can lie down. And then he got in his limo. Hmm.
0: You know, the, this is sort of a similar concept, but like uh, Barack Obama has spoken about the fact that he owns like 20 suits. that are all the same because why spend the mental energy? And I think others have said similar things. Why spend the mental energy deciding what to wear every day?
1: Right. That was the big Steve Jobs thing. That's why he always wore the... Yeah. Oh, Steve like Jobs plain in the black same shirt.
0: thing? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm actually in the middle of reading the Walter Isaacson biography on Steve Jobs.
1: Churchill, well, Jobs, have- Obama, yeah. Larry David? Larry David, yes.
0: <laughs> well done.
1: Um, so Cheryl comes in he sa- she says that the Greens are having a dinner party on Friday night, that all the funk counselors are going to be at, um, everyone who's going to basically come into the testimonial will be, or not everyone but a bunch of people will be at this the uh, guests. This party, mm-hmm. included, and Ted and Mary will be there mm-hmm. uh, Larry throws in that he, uh, he agreed that they would watch Ted's dog while he's away, and Cheryl makes it clear that we mean yeah, uh, it, means it's he it's confusing uh, to Larry, me, Larry uh, is still frustrated about his shirt and shows uh, Cheryl, and she agrees, you know, yeah it's ruined, it's all stretched out
0: yeah. So we, it's confusing to me. Why would Ted give his dog to Larry over, you know, putting it in a doggy hotel? Like, why would he possibly trust Larry? As it turns yeah, out, he a, won't. But why would he even have, you know, the the have? I mean, as we say, the yeah. initial thought.
1: Yeah. You would think that Ted Danson is the type of guy that's just like, I'm going to put my dog into a kennel while I'm away because yeah. I'm worth some on fancy
0: place. Yeah. That, that's some fancy place that charges two hundred dollars a day and gives the dog, you know, massages and fancy food or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, we—I've—I've I've passed by some of those. A lot of times near the airport, you'll see they have those like animal kennels to like for people to like kind of store their animals out while they're away. And I always think that they should have that same exact thing, but for children, <laughs> would be a really great idea.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good idea, actually.
1: Yeah, there's an amount of money people would pay you know um anyway so we uh we head over to the dinner party we're on the way larry complains that at every dinner party it always seems like he's in the worst conversation cheryl says of course you know the exceptions when you're talking to me and he says nope that's not an exception also those are also i always feel like the other conversations are more interesting than mine um i do have that i have that like a lot when i'm at like a shabbat meal and i could tell that like i'm more interested in being in part of the conversation that's happening at the other end of the table yeah but like you kind of have to like pretend that you're still paying attention to the person that's talking to you yeah but like really with one ear you're listening to the other one so that way like once you could wiggle away your way out of this one you could like seamlessly just jump right into that one because you know what's going on there yeah um it's it's challenging without being an a, asshole this
0: is a consistent problem that larry has you know obviously we start every episode with the quote i like to elevate small talk to medium talk that's at a, a dinner party the greens are hosting in new york where they split up the couples actually and they put larry on sort of the loser end of the table
1: yeah Cheryl's, for whatever reason, going through the mail as they drive, as one does. And there's a bill from Dr. Funkhauser. Oh, I do this, by the way. Yeah, you take the mail with you in the car? Because,
0: yeah, because what I'll, I usually, like, I'll go in the car to do my kid's carpool at 3 o'clock. And so as I go to the door, I see the mail. And so I just grab it. And then while I'm sitting in the carpool line waiting, I can go through right. the
1: mail. Right, okay. So. Um, so she's going through the mail, and there's uh, she opens it up. And she screams in harder because, turns out, the bill included the picture of the tooth. And they both freak out at how gross it looks. Yes,
0: this is this deserves a Saul Rubinick Award, although it'll be everyone throughout the episode. The way she's overreacting. There's no image of a tooth yeah. that could be so disturbing that it would require such over overacting. But again, I think it is a little ironic that you know this episode does feature the man who has an award named after him for overacting. So,
1: yes. Um, okay, so they uh, they walk into the party, and Larry is talking to two of the family members from Russia, a married couple named Toli and Nina. Um, although only to- Nina speaks English and she's translating for Toli. We learned that Uncle Leo is his favorite uncle and Larry says that he would like a translator and wouldn't mind having one that he could use to talk to his wife
0: yeah Um, by the way this this entire this russian cousin makes no sense whatsoever (laughs) first of all he will say later he will say in this conversation actually that leo is his favorite uncle like how could he be so close to an uncle from la so you know and maybe this isn't known to gentiles way to us, but like jews were not allowed to leave the soviet union until the late 80s and so there's no way that these two people had any relationship or interaction with each other at least until the late 80s and then in the late 80s and early 90s Almost the overwhelming majority of Russian Jews, Soviet Jews left and either came to America or maybe to Europe or to Israel. So this guy still lives in Russia, which means so he hadn't seen his uncle ever until, let's say, around 1990 or so when he has a chance to leave Russia. He decides not to leave Russia, but he decides to come to L.A. to meet his uncle, Leo. And then I guess he goes back to Russia and then they maintain a relationship. Just There's no thing. There, there's no Jews in Russia today who have extro- or, or certainly 15 years ago in this episode recorded who have such close relationships with cousins in another country but also are so russian that they don't speak any english whatsoever the whole thing makes
1: no sense so is it possible that toli has lived in russia his whole life and still lives in russia and uncle leo moved to america maybe 20 years ago so
0: uncle leo was one of these people as we said who lived in russia his whole life and then he came in like 1990
1: i guess or, that's, pos- that's possible but or some or he got out some earlier time somehow there were some people who got out like it wasn't I mean, impossible so maybe he knows him there's almost yeah. nobody who
0: got out before like 1988 89 yeah. Um, um, and also so maybe- like the way that Leo's relationship and all of, I mean, he's been a member of this club for 30, 40 years. Right. Like. That's true. Yeah. He's okay. lived in LA for a long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe he only has two uncles. I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, so he's his, he's his favorite by default.
1: Got it. Yeah, that could be. Um, anyway. So Larry notices that Tolly isn't wearing any socks or shoes, uh, which totally explains as it makes him more comfortable. It makes him feel like he's at home. Yeah. Um, He likes Larry's glasses and asks if he can try those on, but Larry's not into it. And they argue back and forth about whether Larry will uh, let him try his glasses until finally he gives in
0: straight out of Seinfeld.
1: Yeah. So Jeff comes over and Larry tells him about the glasses. He complains about the the bare feet and wants to know where Ted and Mary are. We learned that Jeff, Jeff says that they had a movie premiere, so they're not going to make it. And Larry says, you know, it would have been nice to have him here instead of all these funk houses. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so Larry sees Oscar, Jeff, and Susie's dog, well, and he calls I, can him Can I ask over. a question?
0: Over yeah. the course of the series, I think we meet more members of the Funkhouser family than any other family in the show, including the David family. The Black family. Like who? I'm trying to think. Who do we meet? Like so many – I mean, in this episode alone, we meet three or four Funkhousers. Uh, we'll meet, later meet Bam Bam. We'll later meet um, uh, Marty's nephew, the baseball player.
1: Right. Um, well, we meet a lot of greens.
0: Oh, yes. We meet, well, we meet, the, we meet his parents. So that's only five greens. We don't mean any siblings of 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 Jeff or Susie, do we? I don't think so. And just one baby. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Funkhousers are probably number one, followed by the Greens, Mm. and then I guess the Blacks. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of colors. Funkhousers is not a color, though. Yeah. Maybe in like Russian, it is. Um, so yeah, so Larry calls over Oscar to pet him, and after he's done petting him and Oscar gets up, um, Susie looks over, and I guess it looks like Larry has a pants tent again, and she asks if he's enjoying the dog. So, well, also, and
0: Oscar was sort of you know cuddling in his, yeah, but like, I mean,
1: Susie thinks that Larry's like a zoophile now, like he's like into dogs, like that's not what she really thinks, right? Yeah. It's like kind of ridiculous that where the storyline goes from here. Like she doesn't really think that like Larry's sexually attracted to animals, right? That's like later on, like they'll see each other and she's not like, Oh, you're a sick freak and I'll never let you back to my house because you have an, a dog fetish. Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really track. Yes. Um, Either You you, you think he
0: did this or you didn't think he did this or you don't think he did it, but you just want to screw him over. So you're going to tell Ted you think he did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you really think this, that like this should be like a more permanent thing that like Larry can't be around the dog anymore because he might rape the dog. Anyway, dinner is served and Sammy comes over to say hi to Larry. She suggests that he take off his shoes like totally. And she bends down and unties his shoes and runs away with one of his sneakers. Yes. Um, it's at this moment that hey, Marty no Funkhauser. No one has a problem with this.
0: Everything's yeah, no, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly right. Um, we have our uh, first appearance from Marty Funkhauser, And he asks Larry if he's ever heard of Friends, which is a new sonic toothbrush that might help Larry with his plaque, which he heard about from the hygienist. Um, Larry is infuriated because, number one, he doesn't have plaque, or so he claims. And number two, it's a breach of the patient hygienist confidentiality for her to be talking about this stuff. Jeff says he doesn't know that if there's really any sort of thing as patient hygienist confidentiality, which I doubt is true. I'm yeah, sure it's,
0: it's a HIPAA violation.
1: Yeah, of course it is. Um, but, and Susie makes the obvious point, which even if it's like not technically covered under these rules by, you know, as a hygienist, like there's still this like a basic idea of confidentiality in these types of arrangements that you shouldn't go around telling people the conditions that your patients have. Um, but, yeah, I, I have to imagine a hygienist would be covered by HIPAA. Larry keeps insisting he doesn't have plaque. Cheryl even confirms that he has an electric toothbrush and he flosses at least twice a day. Uh, Marty's not convinced. He insists he has plaque. Larry Larry uh, challenges him to a plaque contest. And Marty says, sure, we can have a plaque contest just like you challenged me to golf, that we had a golf contest.
0: Yes, but I also do – I really love how – um, everything's being translated to the Russian guy. And the word plaque is
1: plaque in Russian. <laughs> right, right. Even like the like petty arguments at the table have to all be translated for his benefit. So all of a sudden Larry remembers about the golf tip that he gave Jeff at Ben's house. And Jeff agrees it's a great tip. Marty says he has an even better one that the weatherman gave him two weeks ago. It's completely changed his game. And he's about to show them all how to do it when Sammy screams and they run over. It turns out she was looking at the disgusting picture of Larry's tooth, which fell out of Larry's pocket. And everyone, including Cheryl, Screams at Larry for even bringing such a picture into somebody's home as if he had like walked in with like a penthouse in his yeah, pocket.
0: it's completely insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm sure it might be like a gross picture that would like startle you for a second or two, but like... Relax. It's, like, not, it's, okay. it's not
0: how dare Sammy go through Larry's pockets. It's how dare Larry have something in his pocket that Sammy would go.
1: It,
0: it, it makes no sense. It's completely ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Now, again, if it was like literally like pornography, I would agree. Yeah. Like, why okay, are you fine. bringing this into someone's house? But,
0: but even yes. so, it's still in his pocket. But yes.
1: Yeah. But the reason why I brought this into your house is because it was in my pocket because like I had gotten the mail and I stuffed it in my pocket. Like, calm down. Yeah. Um, and and everyone is so worked up that basically the party comes to an end as a result of this traumatic incident. Everyone realizes it's time to leave. Um, Larry says, OK, but I need my sneaker that Sammy took. And Susie yells at him, like, how dare you yeah. think that you should take your sneaker? Are you driving? What do you need a sneaker for? It's, Co- not, it's no time complete for insanity. <laughs> it makes this makes <laughs> no sense. sense. Nothing
0: here makes any sense.
1: No sense. Yeah.
0: And by the way, of course, Cheryl sides against her husband as she always does.
1: Of course, of course. Um, okay, yeah. So Larry goes home uh, with only one sneaker, uh, and he's complaining about the party. Uh, Sammy could have just told him where the sneaker was. It would have taken two seconds. There was no reason. Also, the hygienist um, is completely ridiculous. It's as if I went to a prostitute, and then she told everyone I went to a that I had a small penis. Not that I've ever been to a prostitute, and not that I have a small penis. Yeah.
0: By the way. A, a worse scenario because prostitutes don't have a legal you know obligation to not share the information like a hygienist does. But yeah. the hygienist does now we don't do we know it's a hygienist and not Saul? Could have been Saul.
1: yeah so I I well, I think we'll have to figure that out later. I don't think yeah. we ever really f- find it out but um yeah it, uh, I mean the hygienist,
0: the hygienist wants to sleep with Larry. So why would she be spreading plaque rumors about him? Unless yeah. to make sure no one else sleeps with him.
1: And if he has such bad plaques, why, why would be she be so interested in sleeping with him? Yeah, that's yeah. plaque's gonna get all over you. Yeah. Um, so I yeah think but, uh, that's probably not the hygienist. On the confidentiality, one of my favorite jokes from Scrubs is there's an episode where uh JD won't tell the janitor something that's going on because it's like involves a patient. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. It's uh doctor patient confidentiality and then so the janitor like switches the the lock to to his locker and then won't give him the code because of janitor locker confidentiality yeah yeah great stuff yeah um so yeah so cheryl is uh she's not really paying attention to larry because her stomach hurts um she says i'm never eating at their house again because and they both agree susie's a terrible cook um which i think is not true i think we've established in other things that like she made then she make like Brownie, the brownies that everyone loved. Yeah,
0: like, yeah, yeah. No, there's she's no consistency a, here.
1: Yeah, she's probably a good cook, but whatever. For the purpose of this episode, she's a terrible cook, and Cheryl's sick, um, and she heads over to the bathroom, I guess. Um. So Larry's watching the news, and the titular weatherman appears on screen, played by Gary Kroger. Who uh, is he, titular on SNL. or eponymous? Um, we'll go with titular. <laughs> Uh, so he comes on the air and he's predicting rain tomorrow, puts a damper on Larry's golf plans. The weatherman says he'll be wa- home all day watching the Godfather trilogy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, do you think we should do a bonus episode on the Godfather trilogy?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's very good, but I don't think it's, it's necessary.
1: Good. Yeah. Uh, they're coming out with a uh, a new version of uh, Godfather three in December. In hey, like a, like a recut version or something.
0: Oh, I, eh. I mean, I've obviously seen Godfather three many times, but.
1: I've only seen it once. Oh. It's not worth it. I, whenever, I, 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 whenever I do like a Godfather watching, I always just do the first two. And Yeah. because like, I don't really need to see a three-plus-hour movie that I didn't really like the first time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, Larry calls Jeff. Jeff's also bummed out about the weather, and he says, you know what? Why don't we just uh, skip tomorrow? Larry says, why don't we wait and see how the morning goes? But Jeff trusts the weatherman. And anyway, he feels like it's probably he should stay home with Sammy because she's really traumatized still about the picture. So we cut to the middle of the night and Larry wakes up to pee. He and we hear him fall in and scream. turns out that Cheryl left the toilet seat up when he was when she was throwing up earlier. And in a uh, somewhat of a gender role reversal, it's Larry that is angry at his wife for not leaving the the toilet seat down. So it's the next morning and Larry says that his back hurts from falling the other night. He can barely get out of bed. He opens the shades and it looks like it's a beautiful day. And Larry's pissed that they canceled the golf because of the weather report. And he has a theory. What if the weatherman falsely predicts rain to keep people off the golf course so that he could have it all to himself? Uh, Cheryl thinks that's completely ridiculous, um, which it is. Uh, Larry's. Oh, but, but, but hold on.
0: But the reason that it's completely insane and ridiculous, which this episode never addresses, is that we live in some world in Los Angeles where yes. there's only one source of weather in 2004 sure. in Los Angeles. There's no other networks. There's no other websites. This one guy has 100 percent of the market share. When anyone yeah. needs to know the weather, there's no other way to do it. You can't call a number. You this is the only source of weather. Yes. And if that is the case, which it seems to be in the world of curb, then I don't think Larry's accusation is so crazy.
1: Well, there is only one hotel in LA, so there's no yes. reason why there can't also be one Weatherman. Yeah. Um, I did look it up and like the station that they are that they were on was it like at one point like the local affiliate for I think Santa Barbara, which I think is the general area where we where we know Larry lives. I'm not sure. Um, but like I guess it could be that like this is like the very local news for like a very specific neighborhood, in which case, you know people would rely on it more. Obviously, like today, everyone just has like the app on their phone. So it's like you wouldn't be able to pull this off. But, I, you know, but still it doesn't, you know, you're obviously right. Like there are other sources of getting weather where if everyone else was saying it's not going to rain, like this just wouldn't work. Like, And not everyone would become adjusted as one one weatherman. And also, if you're like consistently wrong about the weather, eventually you're going to lose your job as weatherman. And that's probably not worth risking so that you can play golf more, you know, unimpeded once in a while. Uh but yeah, so Larry, uh Larry's still suspicious and he takes his cane and said he's heading over to the golf course to investigate something. So we head to the golf course. Uh Larry's walking around with his cane and he goes over to Chuck, one of the employees there. He asks how it's going. And Chuck says, Yeah, well, there's no one here because of the weather forecasts. And what do you know? It turns out the weatherman and Saul are both there playing together. Uh Chuck asks Larry, What's the deal with the cane? And he tells him he fell in the toilet. Um, this will be a recurring thing. Everyone keeps asking Larry, what's the deal? And he has to embarrassingly tell them about the toilet situation. Um, so he goes over to confront the weatherman, explain, I have to cancel my game because of your wrong report. Uh, the weatherman doesn't feel too bad about it. He says, oops. And Larry shares his theory that the weatherman's deliberately misleading the public about the weather and everyone laughs at him. And the weatherman explains that there's a jet stream coming in from the coast and <laughs> it's out of my control. It's up to God whether or not it rains. And Larry says, the only jet stream is the jet stream of bullshit coming out of your mouth. And I'm going to let everyone know. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just a little tip. I think I read this in The Signal and the Noise, which is a Nate Silver book uh, about like a way statistics affect uh, all different aspects of life. And that is a general rule. The weather reports overestimates the odds of rain by about 10 or 20 percent. Because exactly the reason that we see here, if if the weatherman says it's it's gonna be it's gonna be nice and then it rains, everyone is pissed. But if generally speaking, if people other than Larry, if the weather called for rain and then it turns out to be a nice day, everyone's gonna be like, okay, bonus nice day. So they tend to try to uh, exaggerate the odds of weather of, of bad weather a little bit so that people uh, won't be upset at them. So you could always kind of like knock off ten or twenty percent from the. If it says ten percent chance of rain, it's not gonna rain. You can take that from me. Anyway. Um, Larry then turns attention over to, uh, Saul and he tells him about the, the way he ruined the shirt, which for some reason he's wearing again the next day, even though the shirt was ruined, um, shows how it's not clinging and says, by the way, please don't send any more pictures to my house. Cause you scared my wife and you traumatized a little girl. Um, and he bursts off and they start, uh, making fun of him with this thing. That's apparently from the real McCoys. Hey, Walter Brennan, the barn's on fire. The barn's on fire. I didn't really, I didn't really know what that was didn't ring a bell for me, but I looked it up and it's from a TV show called The Real McCoys, which is interesting because then I, I was like doing some research on this. I still don't really understand it, but apparently Walter Brennan's materials were all destroyed in a fire at Universal in 2008. So obviously that's not referencing this because it happened later, but it's interesting that there's some famous thing about him in a fire and then all of his stuff got burnt in a fire um anyway larry's walking away he bumps into ted he asks him about the cane he tells him the whole story ted, ted laughs at him and then apologizes and anyway ted tells larry you know we decided to board the dog instead of giving it to you larry says oh is it interesting did you speak to Susie by any chance um and he says yeah but like doesn't really you know he kind of plays a coy and larry is very suspicious that Susie has uh sabotaged his dream of taking care of ted's dog so larry had over to Jeff's house to pick up his sneaker. Jeff, too, wants to know about the cane. Tells him the whole peeing story. Jeff is astonished, but Larry explains the benefits. It's more comfortable. Yes. Uh, the whole thing with the lights. Correct. I can read. Correct. Um, so basically, he summarizes the whole thing as, while you're peeing on your shoe, I'm learning something.
0: Yeah, and, and that's why I do it occasionally also. Not not frequently, but if I'm sort of in a circumstance. like So one way, one time I definitely do it is if I've just finished working out and I'm very, very exhausted, right? Mm-hmm. But I need to pee. I don't really have the energy and the strength to stand, so I'll sit. Another is if, you know, I'm not exactly sure when I enter the bathroom, what I'm going to do in there, which is occasionally oh, okay. the
1: case. Yeah, that's
0: fair. Yeah. And then, and, you know, another time is if I'm just very, very tired or if I'm the, if I'm if I'm so in the middle of doing something on my computer that I don't even want to take the 30 seconds to interrupt to pee. Right. And you, can't, you, know, you can't be on a laptop while standing, but you can be on a laptop while sitting. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the reading thing doesn't come up that often because it's usually for such a short period of time. And it's not like, all right, let's set up shop and read something here now as IP.
0: Yeah. But if you're like, if you're in the middle of like a, an online argument with someone, for example.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, I've done standing up, you know, mm-hmm. I can be multifunctional. <laughs> yeah. So Susie calls down, find out who's there. She finds out that it's Larry and asks the maid to put the dog away. So I guess she really is worried that Larry's going to sexually abuse her dog. Larry sees Marty. I guess Marty's staying with the Greens. I don't think we knew that until now, but okay, sure. He tells both him and Jeff about the weatherman being a fraud and, you know, his whole theory. Uh, But all Marty cares about is why Larry sits down when he pees, and he wonders if he also craps sitting up. Um, Larry says, by the way, you never finished telling me the weatherman's golf tip. And Marty said, well, he actually called me and specifically told me not to give it to you. Uh, so then Susie comes down. She also wants to know what happened to Larry and Larry tells tells her, well, Cheryl got so sick from eating your disgusting food that she had to throw up. And when I went to pee, I fell in. Yeah. Susie thinks there's no way she got sick from her dinner. Larry says, how- hey, Marty, how do you feel after eating Susie's food? And he says, not great. But yeah. Susie counters that you never feel great. Mm. Um, so, Larry, you yeah, know, he moves the conversation over to the dog. He asks if Susie spoke to him, mentions that now I'm not watching the dog anymore, and he wonders why. Susie also says that she wonders why with uh, kind of a knowing tone. And he does his classic eye uh, interrogation on her, trying to figure out if she was involved in losing him access to the dog. Um, which almost certainly the answer is yes. Like, there's no way between all these conversations that that isn't exactly what happened. So Susie goes away and Larry asks Marty, by the way, um, do you, did your father have good Hodgkins? But before he can answer, Susie returns with Larry's destroyed sneaker and says Oscar ate it. And again, not completely apo- not apologetic at all. This is, again, all completely Larry's fault that her daughter stole his sneaker and then her dog ate his sneaker. So we're back home and Larry's watching the weather again. And the weatherman says the good news on, is on that the only
0: the, channel where you can watch the weather. Of
1: yeah, course. the weather is going to be great this weekend. For, so that's awesome news for anyone who's going to the Leo Funkhauser testimonial, <laughs> which is, of course, the type of thing that would be mentioned on the news.
0: The 20 million people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, but the bad news is that there's a cold weather front coming in and it's going to rain all day Sunday and all day Monday. So we head over to the golf club for the testimonial. And when as Larry and Cheryl walk in, they're given name tags, which Larry doesn't like. Saul comes over and Larry complains about the name tags that, you know, if I put it on my jacket, it's going to ruin the suede. Yeah. But Saul thinks this is not a big deal. He shows him, look at me taking it on and off my jacket. My jacket is fine. So don't worry about it.
0: And for the second time in the episode, he physically like grabs Larry. It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, um, so they head over to their table and they realize that Susie and Jeff are not at the same table as them. Um, no. Possibly because maybe Susie has been put in the uh, attractive people section and Larry is sitting in the ugly section, or
0: or at least Susie's in the uh, doesn't molest dogs section.
1: Right. Um, and Susie, who you know won't let her dog be around Larry, but doesn't even view this as an opportunity to to be away from him, says, "Oh, don't worry, just go switch over to them. No one will care. Come sit with us." Uh, but as Larry tries to switch the cards, uh, the great. Catherine Houston, uh, most famous to me for playing Mrs. Landingham on the West Wing. Uh, she comes over and says, Hey, those are my cards. And Larry pretends I wasn't moving the cards. I was just, you know, I was just doing a check of all the cards to make yes, sure that they are correct. Um, she then she then goes out to say, Oh, you're Larry David? I heard all about your plaque problem. And I know a great product that can help you. Yeah. Larry again is By leading- the way, it's
0: funny, I know her primarily as the warden in Seinfeld of the mm-hmm. female prison.
1: Right. Yeah, well, you know, on, yeah. on her role in the West Wing is a much more recurring role. She's in yes. like forty something yes, but, episodes. But in
0: the world of sidefold curb. Yeah. yeah.
1: She wants to know who who told her, who what's going on here, but she won't, you know, she won't reveal who the other person is. Uh, then Larry sees the weatherman and goes over to talk to him. And Larry wants to know where the cane is, but Larry says he feels better. He wants to know why he told Marty not to share the tip. And he says, I have a little tip for you. You should expect some company on the golf course to tomorrow because i can see through your bullshit rain forecast mm-hmm. and the weatherman says okay go ahead but make sure to bring a slicker because it's gonna rain all day yeah. and again why doesn't larry confirm from some alternate source yeah this whole episode yeah it doesn't make any sense uh, but yeah larry doesn't believe him he's you know he's still planning on playing golf tomorrow So now it's Marty's time to, uh, you know, give his speech about his father. And he tells he tells a joke about how 35 years ago today, my father joined the club and they're the first Jewish family. So 35.
0: So, yeah. So he couldn't have come from Russia.
1: Yeah. yeah, And 35 years later, we're still the only Jewish family, but we love this place. Um, Do you know the uh, the famous like uh, Borscht Belt joke about the Jewish couple that tries to join a country club? I don't know. Continue. Maybe I will, or maybe I won't. I don't know. So, um, you know, this guy tells his friend that you know I want to join that country club, and he says, you know, they don't let Jews in there. And he says, don't worry. So he goes, uh, you know, they go in the interview, and they start asking him all these questions. Oh yeah, family. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, you know, tell me about your wife. And he said, oh, tell me, you know, what do you do? And he says, well, you know, I, uh, you know, we live in Stamford, Connecticut. And I, uh, you know, I'm the principal at a private equity firm in Manhattan. And my wife, uh, you know, volunteers for, you know, the local Rotary Club. And my son goes to Everything, Brown. That,
0: everything that Larry and Cheryl do when they try and get into the
1: yeah, club. my yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's true. It is similar. Maybe we yeah. should have saved it for then. But, yeah. Um, yeah, say, you know, my...
0: I'd say Dartmouth. Let's do it. Yeah.
1: Right. My, my daughter goes to I was going to say my daughter goes to Bart- oh, Dartmouth Princeton. and my son goes to uh, Princeton. Yeah, Princeton. Yeah, yeah, he plays lacrosse. My daughter plays polo Um, they said, oh, very nice. That sounds great. Uh, we just have one more question. Can you tell me what religion you are? And he says, don't worry about it. We're going. Yeah. So Larry looks over uh, at Delilah, and she's, again, seductively licking her lips at him. Yes. Uh, he peels off the name tag, and he's so I just that-
0: want to understand. So she's here because she's an employee of a man whose uncle – it's just very strange, the connections.
1: Yeah. There's no reason for her to be at this event.
0: Yeah. I mean, your your father's a doctor. If your father's uncle was having some kind of uh, ceremony, would one of your father's nurses be there or medical assistants? Probably not.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, not that. I mean, like, if we were, if we had, like, we've had, like, at weddings and stuff, he's invited, like, one or two of the people that, like, have worked for him for, you know, 20 years. Oh, but that's his event, not his uncle's event. Yeah, correct. Yeah. 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 Oh, if this is
0: Saul's event, totally different. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I will say, in terms of, like, the stickiness of the tag, I think this was a bigger issue then. Nowadays, especially at a hoity-toity event like this, they usually have the tags that have, like, the little magnet, I think. Specifically, out of concern of, of not wanting to ruin people's garments.
1: Mm, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, also, you'll usually get it now as like a like a pin or something.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. We don't. They don't like if you're at like a college drinking event or like you know a thing where people are wearing T-shirts. But yeah, if people are wearing sort of fancy, schmancy clothes, uh, you know, they probably don't have uh, the sticky stuff.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he was right. There's a big mark on the jacket. The jacket's ruined. He tries to show it to Saul from across the room. Uh, Marty keeps speaking. Nina is loudly translating still. And Larry asks her to keep it down because he can't hear anything. And she says, shut your mouth. We can see your plaque. And Larry says, well, at least I don't hide my baldness with the yarmulke, yeah. which is actually a good trick for bald people. Yeah, Very good. Yeah. yeah. I, I have like some, uh, some Orthodox friends who may not wear a yarmulke from time to time, but they view it as a, you know, why not? I could cover up my bald spots. Oh, so. Well, that's
0: what Akiva says, yeah.
1: Yeah, so even if they would otherwise, you know, kind of not be interested in doing that anymore, they uh, they find a utility for it. Yeah. Um, Nina says, well, he has more hair than you, and basically says, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Basically, you know, if you let her him he, see the glasses, we'll let you see his hair. <laughs> and they start grabbing at each other and fighting, and Larry winces in pain because he's re-aggravated his back. Uh, Marty then ends his speech by asking everyone to give a standing ovation to his father, but Larry can't stand because of his back and everyone is noticing and pointing and yelling at him to stand, um, which also like ridiculous that this would happen, that like yes. not only would anybody notice from across the room, but that like everyone would be like very concerned, even like, you know, basically yeah, strangers it ruins would, the be, moment. Yes. yeah would be yelling at a man to, oh, why are you not standing? Like, who, who cares? So one guy yeah. in the room is not standing. Um, and if that's not bad enough, we cut to the next day and Larry's playing golf with Stu Brody. It's pouring, and Stu says it had to freaking rain. As the episode ends,
0: now why is Stu here? I guess because no one else wants to go with Larry. Everyone else trusts the weatherman.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was. I it was. It's a random thing to bring back Stu just for that one scene. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, and it's also it was like a very abrupt ending. Um, You know, I'm glad that they didn't end it. Uh, on just like the the standing ovation because that would have been like a very stupid ending. Um, this ending is a, bit, a little bit of a better ending, but like it's kind of out of nowhere. Like there's, no, there's not even a scene to set it up. We just kind of like cut to the next day and it's already raining. Yeah. Um, but it's still, you know, a funny note to end on.
0: Yeah. Um, how would you rank this episode
1: I'll give it pretty 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 good three out of five mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's a great episode you know we pointed out some things that really don't make sense but it had enough laughs to like get me through it I said you know we ca- it was kind of like a recurring thing but like basically every time that somebody asked Larry about the cane and like he had to explain the whole story I laughed almost every time um, and I laughed every time Larry tried to explain his theory about the weatherman. So, you know, that was enough, I think, to get it to three out of five for me.
0: Yeah. I'm basically there. I'm a little low. I have it pretty, pretty, pretty good. So I give it two and a half. I have a 21 out of the 34 episodes we've seen so far. There are some funny moments and, you know, it's exciting to be introduced to super Dave Osborne, Bob Einstein, Marty Funkhauser, but, um, you know, he's sort of a straight man. in this episode. He doesn't do too much. I don't like the Russian guy. The whole plot of the plaque picture doesn't make sense. The whole, yeah. the whole plot of there only being one weatherman doesn't really make sense. So when you think about this episode too much, I think it sort of starts to suffer.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I hear
0: you. Who is your come with guy or gal? My
1: um, come with gal is Nina um she is you know kind of like taking a page from your book in like a very literal sense she's the come with guy for toli because she goes along with him and translates things for him and you know she's kind of an instigator i like the way that she you know first of all it's like you don't even know that she's necessarily translating correctly what he's saying so yeah. like he could just she could just be like starting up on her own mm-hmm. um, which i kind of like the idea of that but yeah. either way like she she drives a lot of the tension at the party and stuff that's going on so mm-hmm. i liked her
0: uh, my come with gal is going to be delilah the hygienist we sure. again although there's allegations that she's the one who violated the hygienist patient confidentiality i don't believe that's the case i think it's much more likely that it was saul and what we know about delilah is that she's into larry and she's uh you know dtf
1: yeah so. well she's dt something dtl maybe down to lick her lips yes at least i don't that. know yeah we don't yeah, know maybe, maybe she's just
0: a tease but yeah i, I like delilah <laughs> And then because I blame Saul Funkhauser as the one who spread the rumors, then in addition to that, in addition to assaulting Larry twice, uh, to me, the worst person in this episode is clearly Saul Funkhauser.
1: Yeah. Not that The Weatherman isn't
0: terrible, but...
1: Well, honestly, we don't know that the weatherman is terrible. For all we know, he didn't do anything wrong, and Larry is completely out of his mind. But
0: why did the weatherman go golf on the day that he thought it was going to rain?
1: Because it turned out to be nice that day when you woke up, maybe. Like, he woke woke up, up, and it was nice, and he's like, okay, so I'll play. But, But
0: he didn't think, oh, the rain might be coming later? I
1: don't know. I mean maybe when you woke up the you know sometimes when you go when you wake up in the morning and then you check the weather it it has changed since the previous night like yes. you know the, the the rain you know moved out to the coast or yeah. you know or they or it's going to come later in the day yeah. um my guess is the weatherman did absolutely nothing wrong that he gave a weather report mm. and sometimes weather reports are wrong and when it turned out to be wrong he went to play golf And that's that's why I do do want
0: to hear from listeners. I've always assumed that Larry was correct about the other man, again, only in the context of a situation where there's no other way to confirm the weather. If there's any other way to confirm the weather, of course, he couldn't do this because it would never work.
1: Yeah. Even then, I I see no reason to believe that this isn't just like a crazy Larry theory with no evidence Uh at all. Okay, Uh, but yeah, I agree. It's uh, Dr. Funkhouser. And I would and what I would say is that even if you want to take the position that it was the hygienist's. Who, who did it, he still bears some responsibility for having a dishonest hygienist who's going around town yes. spreading things. And yes. especially with all the other things that you listed of why he's terrible, plus it probably was really him. He just really has very little uh, to stand on as yeah. not the worst person.
0: Yes, agreed. Uh, we don't really have any celebrities in this episode. You know, again, Bob Einstein, Super Dave. I, I don't, I certainly did not know him prior to Curb. You know, no. I later learned, you know, because his dad and his brother and, you know, he's from like a family of, 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 of comedian legends. But yeah, I, I don't I, think he really counts.
1: I did not know that Albert Brooks was his brother until until Bob Einstein passed away. That's when yeah. I learned that.
0: Oh, wow. OK, so do you know who their dad was?
1: Their dad was uh, Harry Einstein. Was that his name?
0: Yeah, but he was known as Archiarchus or something. Oh, he's, okay. um, his his name. But do you know how he died? No. Okay, so his dad was Harry Einstein, but he was known as Parchiarchist, not Archiarchist, excuse me. And he died, he was giving a roast, and he had a heart attack on stage and died, and everyone thought it was a bit for, you know. Oh,
1: yeah, I did. I do remember hearing this.
0: Yeah, Yeah. so he's a legendary comedian from, you know, like the the 1930s and 40s, and then he has two sons, Albert Brooks and uh, Bob Einstein, you know, as he's known. And so, yeah, so he, it's like a family of legendary comedians, basically. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so Albert Brooks is the one who actually changed his name.
1: Yes, cuz his name otherwise would have been Albert Einstein.
0: Yes, correct.
1: I don't know if that was the reason, but it would have been.
0: Uh, I mean his name is Albert Einstein.
1: Yes. Right. Well, that was his birth name. Yeah. Yeah. Albert Einstein should have named his name should have changed his name. <laughs> the original one.
0: Now I'm now I'm actually curious why he changed his name. I mean, I assume it's for the reason we said. Let me let me Yeah, well, that. he
1: probably wanted a, a gentile name so he could get into a country club.
0: Hmm, that's why, yes, cuz you would never know he was a Jew. Right, exactly. Anyways, all right. Should we go to the postman? Yeah, we
1: should. Uh, postman! Uh, postman! Uh, come here! here Tell the yeah. neighborhood! All right. So we have two emails today from the usual suspects. First is from Zach Brooks, who says that Saul is Av's doppelganger. Do you see that at all? I don't see that. Do you think he looks like me or I look like him? Mm, no. No. Yeah. Okay. We're going to say no to that. Um, and then he says the elastic sleeve industry needs fixing. Three and a half. Ho- 3.5 pretties. And then second email from Olin Allen, who says this episode didn't quite live up to the hype after the big buildup by Alex last week, but still a good, strong episode. And most importantly, the introduction of Bob Einstein, brother of Albert Uh, as the great Marty Funkhauser. Yeah.
0: And to be clear, I wasn't saying the episode was so great. I was just saying it was so great that we were going to get to meet
1: the Funkhausers. Yeah. Um, I don't think many people would have laughed as much as the Walter Brennan line as Larry David hobbled away from the golf course was cackling away like the old time actor. When I heard it, I was caught totally off guard. So I guess Olin gets the reference. Um, I also enjoyed Larry's straight up unashamed admittance of how he fell in the toilet. Thought he got far too much flack for his teeth photo though. And Cheryl should have stood by him at the greens Finally, I don't recall even a throwaway remark about the producers in this one. Yeah, that's true. They completely ignore that storyline for this episode.
0: Yeah, that's true. He as
1: well gives it a 3.5 pretties out of good for the come with guy. He says Stu Brody for coming out to play golf in the rain with Larry and for the villain of the week. He says the hygienist surely should be some confidentiality and surely she should be aware that people may do things with their tongues and mouths after dental checks and operations.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Fair enough.
0: Yes. All right. Next week on Curb, we have more golf talk, more country club talk. Larry will get in trouble for his dirty locker, and uh, Larry will allege that his five wood is in the casket of a deceived, deceased person. Av, ah, you're not a golfer, correct? Not a golfer. Yeah. My issue with golf is that, in general, I think I'm, you know, a, a reasonably athletic guy, and I'm, but golf, you need to, like, Forget about being like good. You need to practice and play a significant amount of golf just to be bad at a level that is passably bad, like that is playably bad. Like when I swing a golf club, I won't even hit like the ball half the time, so I can't even like play. And so I've never really been into golf. I like like mini golf, but I've never been into golf because I don't want a sport where I have to play so much to become bad, let alone how much it would take playing golf to actually become... Pretty, 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 pretty good.